Hey everybody, this is Panda, and you are listening to our second episode of Batting Practice with Bregan and Panda. Um, this is our second episode of Sports Talk. Bregan, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, ready to jump into it. So tonight we are just going to jump in and just have a lengthy conversation on a matchup in the NBA that intrigues us both. Um, and that uh, actually took place last night. Um and it is the Boston Celtics versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, and this is one that we both have a pretty strong opinion about. So we're pretty excited for this. And we're just going to jump right into it. So um, for those of you who didn't hear or know or kind of been out of the loop, just a little bit of background. Um, last night, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers faced the Boston Celtics. Boston won 103-99. And then this morning, there were some um, reports and some a lot of analysts really looked at this game and were trying to go back and forth on it. And so without giving too much away on, on who said what, that's sort of going to be our focus tonight um, as to this matchup, who has the upper hand, why that is, and uh, which team we think ultimately will come out of the East. So with that, Brigham, I will let you have the floor first, and then I will come and clean up and fix any mess that you leave behind (laughs) well it's no secret that any lebron led team is going to be the favorite to win the east every single year because obviously he's staying in the east and that's never going to change uh putting all that aside though i think the celtics definitely have a legitimate shot to contend this year and take out the Cavs in a seven game series They dropped the first two games of the season series, the Celtics did. And last night they bounced back, like you said, beat the Cavs by four at home. And I think it was definitely a promising win. I'm really looking forward to the April 5th matchup where they're going to be playing at Boston again. That'll definitely uh, give us a more in-depth analysis as to uh, if the Celtics really are for real. And I'm really looking forward to that. So with that, I think some some interesting comments came out. Um, ones that kind of confused me. Yeah, I see Boston. I mean, I guess they're they're definitely a contender and they're definitely there. But there's still a large part of me that believes that Boston still is a year or two away before at least probably a year away from really truly being a legitimate threat um, to Cleveland. I just, right now, I just don't see them really contending in a seven-game series where you see the same team over and over again every single night, especially with the core that Cleveland has being to the finals the last two years. So um, I just... I still think they're a year away. I still think their rostering needs some depth. And I just, ultimately, they don't have the depth to keep up with Cleveland. Cleveland can just roll the next guy off the bench and it's okay. Versus where Boston, you begin to get in their bench and it gets a little shaky. So for me, it really doesn't doesn't seem that close. And, and honestly, you know, just kind of listening to Stephen A. Smith this morning and seeing some of his comments, like, I think there's just a general overreaction, like, yay, the Celtics beat the Cavs by four. Suddenly now they can take them in a seven-game series. That doesn't really make any sense. I mean, look at Cleveland and Golden State playing each other. 
the last couple seasons and all the hype surrounding those games. And, you know, Cleveland's gotten blown out some. Golden State's gotten blown out some. But when you get to the playoffs, what do those games actually mean? Absolutely nothing. Like, it just has no bearing whatsoever. Well, you can't say that, no, you can't say they mean absolutely nothing. You can't, I mean, let's say the Cavs went ahead and swept the Celtics. That doesn't mean that it's going to happen again. You can't, you can't say that they mean nothing. It's definitely, uh, you get a very in-depth look at the matchups. And that's, that's a big thing. You get to look at the matchups. You get to see how they, they're feeling each other out in the regular season. You can't say that it, it means absolutely nothing because it definitely does. Okay. You know, where, yeah, I mean, it just, it, a seven-game series is just so much different than playing sure. each other four times sporadically throughout the year. In the grand scheme of things, it, it almost means nothing. There's like a 5% like, okay, you're feeling each other out, but a seven-game series is so totally, completely different that whatever happened during the regular season, you can almost forget that because it's like new new time of the year, new you know coaching schemes, new um, new patterns everything changes game to game you're you know game planning for the same team over and over and over again and it just it's a whole different dynamic and i don't think that boston could take cleveland specifically game planning with the depth that they have on how to beat boston if they were just sitting there focusing on them for two weeks i just i don't think it would happen well when you come playoff time it's all about preparation who's most strategically ready you can look at the player matchups just by themselves all you want but that's not going to change the fact that it's going to come down to who is most prepared and that's what it comes down to in the playoffs and the big games in any major sport that doesn't change with the nba yeah it doesn't change it doesn't change but at the same time you know baseball you're playing a three game series you can you know you're going to have a game plan for those three games you're going to see the same team maybe not the same starting pitcher but you're going to see the same team same batters same bullpen that sort of thing there's a little bit of a difference nfl you're just playing one game you have a whole week to game plan for that um you know nba is a little bit different in some of these major sports in the way that you're playing in washington one night and then you're playing in new york the next and it's like you know you're there's so much going on that you know i'm sure there's in some points a little bit of lack of preparation during the regular season where you're not going to see that during the playoffs when it's boston tonight and it's boston tomorrow you know it's it's the same thing so i i definitely think that baseball or um, excuse me the nba definitely has the biggest difference between postseason and regular season as far as preparation so bottom line are, are you just going just cut to the chase here are you trying to tell me that there's no chance that the celtics can win in a seven game series no i give them six cleveland in six um boston might take one or two at home but uh no no this you don't year, you don't think there is an there's even an inkling of a shot of that happening not not even an inkling not you think even an any inkling. you think any team in the east can take out the Cavs? no not this year and that that's oh you promise you're not being a homer 
You promise? No, I, I really don't. I really don't. The team, the team, a couple teams that interest me, Boston, Washington, and Toronto. Washington scares me a little bit because of their pace of pace of play. Um, they play really fast, create a lot of turnovers. Um, LeBron scares me a little bit with that. Kyrie a little bit with that um, for for the Cavs. But ultimately, I don't think they have. Um, I don't think they could really take the Cavs in seven game series because Cleveland would game plan against that. But not being a homer, I think Boston is a year away from being scary. Next year they're going to be scary. Um, but I think they're still they're still about a year away before they really have the depth and the talent to truly match up and take the Cavs. When the Cavs get J.R. Smith back, when the Cavs have Kevin Love back in whatever capacity he's back in, now suddenly you're rolling Kyle Korver off the bench. You're rolling Darren Williams. You've got Amon Shumpert, Andrew Bogut, Shanning Fry, Richard Jefferson. I mean, it's just player after player that has the experience that has been to the playoffs, that's gone deep, that's that's been in the pressure situations before. This isn't going to phase them. This is their third year going through this. Boston doesn't have that. So I really don't see... I, I really don't see Boston actually coming away and being a threat. Six games, maybe, um, but I don't even think they push Cleveland to seven. Would you disagree? There's going to be a lot of close games involved in the in the supposed six game series you're claiming it's going to be. Yeah. No. You- I, okay. So yeah, let me preface that six game series games are going to be close, but I don't think it's going to be in question. Look at Cavs versus Pistons last year. Cavs won the series four zips, swept the first round, moved on. Yippee. But if you go back and actually look at some of those scores, um, they were really close. Uh, the first, I, I remember several games, and I'm, I'm looking it up here really quick, but I remember seven several games where, you know, the Cavs came away 199. So, you know, it's one of those things where um, – the games will be close, but there's going to be sort of this this kind of overall feel that Cleveland is control in control of the series. It's just See, a matter of close, when. In close games, I just like the Celtics. When it comes to the close games, they're just hard to match, especially Thomas. He's just a beast in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but he there's doesn't no, play There's D. no containing him. He doesn't there's play There's no D. containing him. It's the NBA. Who plays D? It's, you could say the same thing plays D? Kyrie Irving. I mean, how are you going to stop him going to the hole? How are you going to stop who him is, pulling up? Name someone three? who is more consistent in the fourth quarter than Isaiah Thomas. There isn't. There isn't. But if that's, that's, what, the only that's time, what I'm trying to get at. If he, he's, if you're going to have Kyle or Al Horford showing up shooting three for nine, you're not going to win in the postseason. He if it's going to come down to close games, which it's going to, Almost all of those games in the postseason against the Cavs are going to be close. That's why I'm looking at a team like the Celtics, the team that'll show up in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I just think with LeBron in the LeBron playoffs is a completely different player than LeBron regular season. Um, LeBron playoffs, he shoots that shot most likely. Um, playoffs, we don't have Darren Williams on the floor. We've got you spread with Corver, Smith, um, Love, LeBron, Smith and, and Love didn't play. 
Smith and Love didn't play. Get over I that. I understand, but I'm saying get over that. Playoffs, playoffs. It's a completely different situation. This is what I'm talking about. It's totally different than regular season. So there's, it's one or the other. It, fourth quarter. I, I don't think Isaiah Thomas is going to change in the playoffs. Is the thing. And but I mean, see, the, the guy's an is, the guy's an animal. The thing is, LeBron does change. He's a completely different player in the playoffs. He's so much better in the playoffs versus a regular season because he understands the regular season doesn't matter. Just make the playoffs, and then we'll I love take that care mentality. of take care of business. I love that mentality. It, it is what it is, you know. Is it? Yeah. Why is it that? Why is it what? Why Why is the regular season not matter? Are you saying it just doesn't matter to LeBron? What I'm saying is or are you, the are, regular does season. It, does the NBA is, regular season matter to anybody? Yeah, it, it matters. But for LeBron and the Cavs or the Warriors, the regular season is a chance to dust up and get ready for the playoffs. That's what it is. It's a watered down 82 game schedule where you're dusting up and getting ready for the playoffs. Doesn't matter what you're doing in January. Doesn't matter what you're doing in February. You want to be hot and ready to go in April. That's, See, that's the I fact of the I matter. I don't like that. I don't like that. No, and that's a problem you, with the NBA overall, not just... How, how would you look to keep it more entertaining? Because, honestly, who watches all 82 exactly. of their team's games? Exactly. It's just like baseball. Nobody watches all 162 of their games. They don't, You only pay attention in the postseason. I mean, I mean, at least in the NBA, your team is still kind of in it midway through the season. But when it comes to the MLB, though... Yeah, I mean, you get halfway through the season, you could be completely done. Absolutely, and it's just boring. Absolutely. How can can we do? How can we change it? Honestly, I would, um, and they'll never do this, but I'd cut ten, twelve games out of the schedule. Get rid of the back-to-backs. Put fewer games on nights, um, especially when you get in this time where you're in between NFL, you're in between NCAA taking off in March. You're sort of in that spot. Give yourself a good marketing opportunity, less games on each night, more national league t- um, national TV games to make it more interesting. But honestly, you can't. You can't. Your playoffs are two months long. I feel like a long. lot of it is the gameplay, too. Yeah, your playoffs are two months long. I mean, what mm-hmm. other sport has playoffs that stretch over two months? Like, think about it's, that. You could that's potentially what I do play... Like about the- like that's what I like about the MLB though, is that you don't have the seven game series until right. you reach, you know, a certain point. Right. In the NBA, everybody's playing seven game series, which is nice in its own way, but Put it's it, not going to hold interest for no very long. If you played every seven game series, you'd be playing twenty eight more games. And so now, granted, that doesn't happen, but each team is. If you make the finals and play in the finals, you're probably looking at playing somewhere between 20 and 24 games, most likely. So, so what's the point of having an 82-game season? Exactly. You're going to be playing. It I mean, you could be playing sense. up to 100 games. Right. It's ridiculous. Right. And when you start to look at it that way, LeBron going to six straight finals is kind of nuts. I mean, you play it, six It's getting months. kind of old. Yeah, it gets old. But I mean, you, I know you're a Cleveland fan, so you enjoy watching it. But for everyone else, it's just it's getting boring. And you, you're looking at teams like Golden State, and it could happen with them too. We could just keep looking at 
Golden State over and over again. every year, and it's going to lose so much interest over time. See, the, the, the difference with Golden NBA State just... is Golden State is derailing themselves to build this team. They're going to become much like Miami was with LeBron. You lost Bogut because you couldn't afford him. You lose Spates. You lose, you know, some of these guys, Barbosa. And now when Curry has to get paid and Durant has to get paid next offseason, what are you going to do with Iguodala? What are you going to do with Livingston? You know, all these guys. I don't know how much longer Golden State is really going to be around. Well, guys like that are not not Durant or Curry, but, you know, Iguodala, Livingston are kind of expendable. But you're I mean, going to have no bench. Who are you going to be trotting out there? Well, there's going to be new players coming in. Who? You're going to pick up a first-round pick with your 30th pick overall? You're losing those guys, which means other teams are losing guys too. There's always guys that can be signed in but the, the offseason that can fill have, in. They're not going to have cap to sign They're not serviceable going to re-sign guys. both Curry and Durant, though. So who's, which is fine. Who's That's, going away? Durant? Durant, yes. You don't get rid of you don't get rid of Curry. So where's Durant end up? <laughs> and then how does he repair his reputation? <laughs> Not Oklahoma City. <laughs> how I'll does he repair his reputation? Could you imagine? He doesn't that? he doesn't repair his reputation. It's too late to go back now. Why would you even he might as well accept the fact that he's gonna be the bad guy in the NBA now and embrace that. So where would he go? I could see him going back home and playing for Washington. Um, last off season, who else was he talking with? Celtics. Um, the Clippers were involved. Yeah, I think Clippers are out. I think the Spurs were even in talks with him at one point. I just can't see Popovich doing that. Nah. Um, I, he'll probably just end up going to another bigger market team. That'd be my guess. Yeah. You know, the Lakers are always going to be looking to talk to him because they talk to everybody. Yeah, maybe he'll end up in L.A. They'll just go to another big market team. Yeah. At a, at a smaller, or not smaller, at a shorter contract and lengthwise and just keep kind of bouncing around till he wins a ring, maybe. Maybe. I could see him doing that for sure. Maybe. Well, but going back to the full... NBA regular season. I felt like that 2011-2012 season when there was it was shortened to 66 games from the lockout was one of the most exciting years, personally. Yeah. Well, the only yeah. thing you have to worry about with that is, um, I think because of the lockout, the schedule got condensed too, and so you saw a lot of like three games and three nights or whatever. So I'd like to see them play less games, but like not so close together. Um, yeah. Like I said, if you spread them out a little bit, you're going to get more interest because it's not like, oh, the Cavs are on almost every night. You know, I can always watch tomorrow or whatever. You know, and sure. you can highlight the main matchups a little bit better. I don't yeah. know. That's just my feeling on it. Well, that's the thing when you're looking at, you know, obviously it's much different, but college basketball, the games are three, four days apart, and you look down the road and right. you know, schedule accordingly to watching or traveling to a certain game. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's a much shorter season. I mean, they're done by March, right? So, yeah, it's a much shorter season. 
And I think that holds the interest a little bit better. I think NBA, I mean, honestly, I don't start watching until Christmas. And I think that's kind of the consensus. You know, Christmas Day is sort of like the opening day for a lot of people. You know, you watch those marquee matchups. Maybe you've watched one or two games until then. But, you know, you don't really start watching. And then, you know, I couldn't imagine. I mean, like, I just think back to when LeBron left and we had four years, you know, in Cleveland of crap basketball. Um, Even with Irving, I mean, it was like there was hardly any interest. So, you know, yeah, six months is a long time, especially if you're watching a team that, has literally no shot at making anything. You know, we're talking. Uh, Phil- How could you be a Philadelphia 76ers fan? My goodness. Because you get high draft brutal. picks every year. <laughs> yeah, but they use them on the same freaking type of player every single time. Oh, yeah. I got a good idea. Let's draft. I don't think a any of their guys have finished a full season since they started on that big slump, have they? Yeah. They haven't had any one of their draft picks finish a full year, have they? No, not to this point. I thought I saw that. Let's draft a center with a foot problem or a knee problem. He'll do fine. Don't worry about it. It's okay. We already have two of those, but one more can't hurt. Don't worry. They got a small forward last year. Oh, good. (laughs) And he's out for the season. Yeah, he's out for the year. (laughs) No need to rush him back. (laughs) No. It's not like... Embiid's gone now, too, isn't he? Yeah. For what? Is Pennies that... on the dollar? I mean, you yeah. got Bogut back and you waved him. Okay, great. You just essentially traded Andrew Bogut for a third now. round pick or or third overall pick or something, a second overall pick or something like that. That was smart. Yeah. But well, I personally, know. as someone living in the Kansas City area, we don't have an NBA team here. So I don't really start paying full attention to nba basketball until after the super bowl not like the chiefs are in the super bowl ever but i just don't it, it doesn't even come up for me to even feel like watching nba until my main priority is out of the way which is the chiefs well and nfl football altogether right and there's so many complaints about the nfl but at least at least they keep things interesting. Yeah. It's a it's definitely a much better setup. Absolutely. Absolutely. Playoffs, regular season, marketing. It's just much it's better run altogether. Yeah. And that's what really catches the eyes of a lot of fans. Yeah. I mean, maybe if you put a you know, I'll put an NBA team in Kansas City, then we can start talking some more. But <laughs> You can have the uh, Philadelphia Until 76ers. then, I'm going to – I'd rather have an expansion team. Thank you. You want the Brooklyn Nets? <laughs> <laughs> that is much worse than an expansion team. <laughs> Kansas City Nets, here you go. They don't have a first-round no, pick until 2025. <laughs> give us the Kings back. We'll oh, take the Kansas you, City Kings again. Kansas City Kings, okay. Yep. Yeah. All right. Oh like my it. gosh. Um, well, I can't remember if they did it this year, but I remember there was talk and there were some articles out there where the NBA was seriously looking at shortening the preseason. Um, mm-hmm. And then, in effect, cutting like a week or two off of the total season time. And I know it wouldn't make a huge difference, but 
Um, I can't remember if that was actually implemented this year or if they were just looking at it. Do you remember? Like I said, I don't pay a whole lot of attention okay. to January, but yeah, well, I'd um, have to. I don't to remember that, that actually coming into effect. I think I it was something they just were were just messing with, kicking around a little bit. Um, yeah, sure. But again, it, I mean, it's almost like they're not. They're in this battle between trying to keep the fans. And the owners wanting the money. And that's where the battle comes in. The owners want all 82 games because that's the way they make the most money. Um, because they get more TV revenue. They get more um, people into their um, their into their into stadiums. You know, all this stuff just kind of comes together. They make more money. Well, the players may want a shorter season because it, you know, less wear and tear on the body. But then the owners might come back and say, well, then... We're, you're, we're not paying you as much money. And that's where, I mean, sadly, it always comes back to how much money and who's getting paid the money. And that's what the NBA is going to decide this stuff on. It's, it's a business, but I agree. It's bad for the business of basketball to have nobody paying attention until here it is the month of March or the month of February. It's bad for um, the business of basketball to have an Eastern Conference that is essentially um, non-existent. I mean... You've got four teams this year who you could say are at least intriguing in the Eastern Conference. Nobody else is. I mean, yeah, teams get so stacked up, and you already you already know it's gonna probably be LeBron against the Warriors. And and I mean, but, it's we and, knew that going into the season. That was very likely going to be the matchup and at least the west is a little bit more intriguing now with Durant hurt oh yeah um yeah you know now you can i mean if we look at the west okay i've watched the san antonio spurs a couple times do they really intrigue you as a contender like they sure. look okay Popovich, Popovich's teams will always will always be in contention maybe they just I mean, don't even have with the that. wow factor or something no, they, I just they, watch never them and they just look like they never do it's like how are this? How is this team forty six and thirteen? They just look they're not. So they're bad. not an exciting team to watch. They never have been. Okay. They're not an exciting team to watch. They're just very fundamental and they they get it done. That's what all of Popovich's teams are like. Yeah, I, mean, I they're, guess they're boring as hell. To watch. Oh my god! Don't get me wrong. I mean, it is. It's it's hard to watch, but if I'm looking to teach some kids how to play basketball the right way. And I'm looking NBA. That's the team I'm looking at is the Spurs. It's Popovich does it the right way. He's a very fundamental guy, and I respect the hell out of him. But when it comes to the entertainment factor, it's it's just nearly unbearable. Which is kind of sad when you think about it. Yeah, nobody likes watching real basketball anymore. It, I mean, we're all victim of this at this point. Yeah. it's just it's awful. Yeah, well, we don't game... care about that. It's all about just the exciting big plays. Right. That's that's probably why nobody plays defense anymore because they know that no one's going to pay attention when they get a nice defensive stop or make right. a force up a bad shot. When if they just go and run to the end of the court and throw one down, they're going to get on Sports Center and everyone's going to love them. Right. The other problem is the flopping. I hate the flopping. Uh, it's ridiculous. Like, 
I know they're handing out these petty $5,000 or $25,000 fine, whatever it is. It's a slap on the wrist. It's terrible. You know, it'd be like in baseball um, getting, you know, it's it's the equivalent of having the ball hit the end of the bat and you pretending that, you know, it hits your arm and you're in so much pain and then you get, you know, a free base. I feel like it started out as just a joke. Yeah. I feel like it was just players just kind of – because if you look back – Obviously, this is a fairly new thing that's going on. But when you look back, it's just kind of guys messing around and flopping, laughing, ref laughing. You know, they get up and move on. But now it's it's turned into a real crisis. Yeah. I mean, I think if – I don't know what the rule is or how they're enforcing it or how they judge a flop. Then again, how do you judge a lot of things when it comes to officiating? It should just it should just be an automatic ejection because I'm tired of seeing. Oh, it. it's terrible! It's, it's terrible! It's awful! It's awful! Nobody wants to watch a bunch of guys barely tap each other, not even hit each other, and fall into the fall ground down. looking for a call. And then when they when they actually get called for the flop, they're just bitching about it and go cry right. to the to the reporters about it and making a big deal. And it's just. It's turning into a pussified sport. Yeah, one of my That's favorite is. favorite little guys to watch flop is Marcus Smart. He's he's got some incredible <laughs> ones. Oh yeah, he's uh, he he him and you know the one guy who started it maybe or that I remember watching and seeing him do it all the time, Anderson Verjao. When he played in Cleveland, this might have been like ten, twelve years ago. I just remember having he would just flop all the time, and you know why it was so obvious? It was because of his hair. You could just tell, like, just everything about him was just goofy, and that's where I remember it starting for me in my mind. And maybe it started earlier, but like, that's the one player like I pick out in my mind, and I'm like, "Yep, I remember him doing this all the time." And now it just seems to be like a just full blown. Everybody's doing it. It's just, it's like. It's, there's nothing good for it in the game. They got to start coming down a little bit heavier on this, um, you know, because it, it's getting ridiculous. Uh, I I think guys like uh, Verjao and JaVale McGee really made it a, a thing. Don't even get me started on JaVale McGee, though. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. He's, he's more of an actor than a basketball player. Absolutely. He's, he's in it for the pure entertainment factor. Like I said, is what's wrong with the NBA nowadays. Yeah. That's why so many people would rather watch college basketball is you don't have little pansies flopping around on the court trying to – I mean, they don't even really care. When you right. mentioned it before. Nobody cares until the postseason. Right. Especially if you're on a contending team. You don't care about it until once you reach the postseason. Then you don't see – Guys flopping around and acting like dickheads. Absolutely, yeah. You don't. You just don't see that because they know it could hurt their team. And you see the refs choking. That just, choke that on just further too. proves that it just further proves that none of them give a damn. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The other thing that pisses me off too is when games in the postseason are ref differently than a regular season. I get it to a degree, but come on, could you imagine that in baseball? The strike zone was suddenly different, or you know they move the fences back 25 feet to make it harder or something like that. Like, well, come on. Different how. 
Well, it's just, it's a lot more physical, and the refs tend not to call quite as much. Which is the way it should be in any way. Absolutely. But what I'm saying That's is what. there shouldn't be a difference. I don't care which way you call it, but call it and be consistent. You know, you want to sure. call it loose in the regular season, then you've got to call it loose in the in the playoffs. You want to call it super tight in the regular season, you got to call it tight in the playoffs. You know, what you let go on in the regular season should be what you let go on in the playoffs. Could you imagine if they allowed what goes on in the playoffs in the regular season? The regular season might actually be watchable. Like, I don't care which way they do That's it. That's why the Pick NBA one. peaked in the 80s and 90s. Because, I mean, watching the old Pistons play, they used to beat the crap out of oh, people. Yeah. And it was just yeah. it was just fun as hell to watch. Right. And now we've just got a bunch of guys flopping, dancing. <laughs> dancing They're little flopping. ballerinas on the court. <laughs> I feel like you have to take a freaking acting class in your one-and-done year of college in order to actually <laughs> – be a first round pick now is that like a prereq now <laughs> your um your college classes include uh dancing 101 acting skills 101 <laughs> <laughs> how to spend all your money in seven days um <laughs> 101 <laughs> yeah. it's like okay oh man speaking of that um what do you think about potentially seeing that age go up from like 19 maybe to 20 or you have to play two years in college or something like that would you be in favor of that to go the other direction or i don't know it's just something that's kind of been in the background lately um with the nba and and college players yeah i saw silver uh kind of brought it up up and mentioned that he would like to see it maybe go up to 20 which wouldn't be a problem, but I think baseball really has it made. You know, the MLB requirement yeah. is you can either come fresh out of high school or if you decide to go to college, then you have to stay for three years. Mm. I just think that's a great way to run it. Uh, I'm not personally a fan of NBA players coming out of high school per se because it's it's very different. It's, I mean, you got, yeah. you got a guy that was just dominated against a bunch of kids that – I mean, had passing up scholarships so he can go pro. Yeah, uh, ends up flopping, and then he's yeah. just he screwed up his life completely. Right. I just don't think the seventeen, eighteen year old kids are ready to make that decision. Right, there's nowhere to go uh, if you don't make it in the NBA. I think a twenty year old uh, minimum age requirement would definitely be a great place to start. Yeah, yeah. Well, at I mean, least... you got you've got guys that can come out after their one and done year and just dominate. It doesn't happen very often, but yeah. I'd like to see the percentage of guys that do that as opposed to the one and dones that, that are out of the league yeah. after three years. Yeah. Well, I'm trying and to think overseas or it's completely unemployed. I'm trying to think of the last couple of players who actually came in and, and made a huge impact early on. Um, Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis, uh, um, Wiggins was, I mean, Wiggins, it's not Towns, like he dominated, but sure. Was Towns, Towns a one yeah. and done? Yeah. Towns was one and done. Irving was a one and done, but he didn't really get going no, until year two or yeah. three. Yeah. Um, cause, but he was a little bit different. He was coming off a knee surgery. So, you know, that was even, a, that was kind of odd in and sure. of itself, you know. Um, and that was kind of the same thing with Blake Griffin, too. Right. Because he tore his right. ACL in the preseason, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, what was supposed to be his first year. And then he sat out and won Rookie of the Year after that. Yeah. So I guess you could consider him in there. 
Whatever happened um, to Blake Griffin's but, brother? Do you remember his brother? They Taylor play, Griffin. They used to play Taylor together? Griffin. On yep. Oklahoma? Uh, he got drafted by the Suns that year. I don't and think... I don't think he ever... I mean, he's not on NBA roster anymore. I'd imagine he's playing overseas or... He's probably not even in the D League at this point. I'd actually, I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, that's what I'm. Doing I mean, right I always now. really, I, I loved watching them in college. Though, oh my gosh, you got they Blake. It's just the big. He's just the big. Blake was the big showy guy that uh, everybody just loved. And Taylor, I just respected the hell out of Taylor. He was one of the hardest working guys on the court that you'd see. I mean, he was just a junkyard dog out there, and I just loved him. He yeah. was. He was the one diving for loose balls and yeah. trying to save them going out of bounds, and he was just great. I love Taylor Griffin. Yeah. Well, um, he's bounced, he's played a lot in the D-League, and uh, he signed in Belgium in 2010, then came back to the D-League until 2015, and now he's in Italy. So, well, he was as of Looks like he's unemployed now. So he's probably unemployed yeah, now. He is unemployed now. Well, so. I don't want to say unemployed. I'm not going to bash on the guy. I'm sure he's got some kind of job going because he stayed. He stayed all four years, didn't he? Yeah, um, he was at Oklahoma yeah. for four years. He got his degree. Yeah. So I'm so. sure he's he's doing something with his life. But and that's where I think two years is so critical because you can get a degree in two years. You know, um, and it's easier to go back if you're there two years. Too. Right. Because you're I mean, not if you go two about... years, don't get your degree. You can always go back as opposed to just the one year and absolutely you probably didn't do anything because you were a freshman in college and right you know you were playing basketball and having fun right and if you at least have a degree you're not worrying about transfer credits you know what i mean yeah. you can sort of just come in with that degree transfer that degree in and then start on your next program you know whatever it might be i mean they could even make that a a new rule you got to have at least a associate's degree in college to be in the NBA. I mean, it sounds a little silly, but it might be a way for guys to actually stick around in college. And that would make college basketball a lot more exciting too. Can you yeah. imagine if a guy like Anthony Davis had decided to stay, stay all four years? Yeah. That would have been crazy. That Just that entire Kentucky team. Yeah. But you, you also got to think, though, it could change the landscape of college basketball because you're suddenly not, if you're a Kentucky or a Duke or, you know, one of these top teams, you're suddenly not out every single year trying to recruit in essentially a new team. I mean, can, can you imagine having to do that every single year because you're fielding these guys that are looking to be one and done? I mean, that would just be – that would be training. And, yeah, and you got the small schools that'll jump on the. They'll benefit now. The, yeah, yeah. They'll, I think they'll, they'll jump awesome. on the guys that would normally be a one and done, and that would that'd be really cool. Could you imagine the the tournament NCAA tournament when you've got now, you know, guys who can play or or who are potential NBA players across the whole bracket? Maybe not the whole bracket, but across you know, let's say fifty out of the sixty four teams. I mean that that would be. I, I think already as it is, the NCAA has the best uh, postseason. Oh, hands college down. basketball has the best postseason, hands down. Hands I mean, down. it doesn't matter if you even follow any kind of. It's just like the Super Bowl. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you follow any teams there or if you right. follow college basketball. Right, right, right. You're gonna watch March Madness. Absolutely. I mean, you just do. Right. You follow it. Everybody fills out a bracket. 
Yeah, even if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Exactly. You're just writing down random crap, and and then then you that's win. how you get into it. Brackets have really done a lot for college yeah. basketball and the March Madness. I mean, can you imagine if they didn't have the brackets? I mean, nobody, it would still be a big thing, but it would be more just for the college basketball, the true fans. Right. I mean, you can get grandma who's never watched a college basketball life. game in her life to fill out a bracket, and then she wants to see how she does, so she starts watching the games, and same for everybody. Yeah. I mean, it, that's one thing that's very underrated and not really taken into account. Yeah. But could you imagine if suddenly we were filling out that, you know, the brackets and you had, you know, NBA potential players across 50 of those out of the 64 teams? It would, it's already pretty unpredictable as it is. Yeah, and but that would take you, it to a whole you throw crazy those, new level. Oh, yeah. That, that would, would be just, nuts. It would be crazy. It would be crazy. But now it could also have another effect. It could potentially create sort of super teams like you have in the NBA where suddenly you've got, you know, you've got top recruits as your starting lineup and then you've got like mid to upper recruits that instead of going somewhere else, they fill out your bench and, you know, your next five off the bench are better than most people's starting five. I mean, that could, and could if potentially be a problem. riding the bench, the upper recruits riding the bench, then, I mean, it'll still give them time to mature and, they'll work their way up and be starting junior senior year and get their degree and i mean that that would really help it would help but while it does have the potential to spread the talent out it could potentially clump it a little bit too um if players aren't constantly moving on but yeah i I think i think we both sort of agree on this point that it would make college a little bit more interesting um not that it isn't already but it would sort of Uh, move that bar to the next step make the tournament that much more interesting while it would also really kind of prepare some of these kids because there's no i mean the d league is slowly starting to develop but i don't know what they get paid in the d league it can't be enough to sustain you no to play basketball it's like minors like low minors in baseball the guys that are making you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars. I'd imagine. Yeah. And just for, the, I mean, obviously the upper end guys, the Vander Blues and the PJ Harrisons of the D League are making significantly more. But just for the guys that are kind of hanging on by a thread in the D League, are probably not making anything really. Um. So I did a quick, quick search, and there are three tiers according to this. Uh, this search, thirteen thousand is one, nineteen thousand is the second, and twenty-five thousand is the third. Each team has a salary cap of one hundred seventy-three thousand dollars. So, are you serious? Yeah. God, I thought they. Wow. I mean, that's. You know, I thought they'd be making a respectable amount. No. Uh, what did I say? Forty. I mean, you got. Yeah. Wow. For double A ball. <laughs> The monthly salary is about $1,700, so if you take that out over 12 months, that's roughly $20,000, if my math's correct. Yeah. And then for AAA, it goes up to about somewhere between 2000 to 
28,000. So it really can, but again, you're not making a ton, but you could potentially live on that. Um, yeah. Potentially live on that. And they can't really, obviously there's the guys that do have part-time jobs, but they can't 100% focus on basketball if they're doing that. Right. But if they do 100% focus on basketball, then they can't make any side money and they're living off of, you know, not much. Exactly. So that's why I think it's it's so important for some of these guys to go to school to at least get that two-year degree. Um, and, and, you know, you... I think at this point in time, you make it, you make it, you have to do that. Um, plus, it helps them grow up. I mean, you just read so many sad stories about guys coming into the NBA at 18 years old who didn't know how to manage money. They didn't know how to manage um, themselves. They weren't emotionally ready to take on the responsibilities. Suddenly they have bills, suddenly they have money. And, you know, not to be, um, not to take away from that, but a lot of a lot, just about every kid has zero experience with money by the time they hit eighteen with real money. Yeah. And then suddenly you get like a two million dollar signing bonus dropped in your bank account. Could you imagine that? They don't know what they're doing with it. No. No. And and that's the that's the saddest in the hardest. When you go out and buy a big house and. And a nice car brand and... new car that you're going to end up having to pay thousands upon thousands of dollars just for insurance alone. You end up flaming out and you're still got to pay for it. And that's how you end up going bankrupt. Absolutely. And so that's why I think two years in college where they're not enticed by money or anything like that would, you know, enable well, like them. they're not making money in college anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's be real now. Yeah. You know, they're already getting some kind of, uh, financial benefit aside from scholarship yeah but at least at least it doesn't necessarily have the potential to derail their life in a giant magnitude sure you know there there's a, a learning curve with that those funds there's a learning curve where you can sort of like okay here's where we took it and this is a much smaller more manageable amount now let's teach you how to manage that so that when it becomes, you know, 20 times this in the NBA, you don't get freaked out and completely lose all sanity. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's that that difference too. So, I don't know, it, it is what it is, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing them. I think NFL is two years, isn't it? Minimum the NFL, years. you have to be three years removed from high school. So, so you can be a redshirt sophomore or a true junior. You have to be three years removed from high school. So why is basketball so far behind on this? Well, I mean, NFL and, well, not NFL, but football and basketball are very different. I mean, you're not going to have an 18-year-old that's physically ready to be matching up with, you know, those grown-ass men in the NFL. Basketball is a little bit more different because it's a very particular set of skills as opposed to all the intangible athletic ability that comes with football. Well, I mean, it's different, but at the same time, it's really not an excuse for them to be so far behind. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. Yeah. I, I think, 
I think hopefully with Silver looking at this, it's something that maybe they'll think about increasing the age um, up to 20, like we talked about. I think it would do a lot of good things for college basketball, do a lot of good things for NBA basketball, and it would do a lot of good for the, the kids coming up through college um, before they they get into the pros, which is a whole new world. Um, so it's if just, anyone can get it done and get things changed, it's Adam Silver. Yeah. I mean, he's he's great. Yeah, he really is. He's he listens to what the fans want. He knows what's best. He doesn't really care what the owners have to say about it. I mean, that's been <laughs> yeah, that's, that's been, been tested apparent. a few times. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I mean, wish he'd get rid of flopping. He's a fans <laughs> kind of guy. I wish he'd you know? get rid of flopping. <laughs> sure. Because I'm getting tired of it. Just just the weak foul calls in general, too. Yeah. I mean, it's not just flopping. It's the fact they know that they can get away with it because of the weak weak foul calls that are going their way anyway. I feel like that's kind of where it stemmed from. Yeah, that's true as well. So what about fourth official? Uh, I did see a headline about that. They've thrown it out there, but any thoughts on that or like... Will that fix a problem? Yes and no. It it would obviously add another angle to it. But what my my kind of idea was to have a fourth official that's kind of watching from the video monitor. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> that can stop that can stop play a game when there's a foul. Or, or an just be watching and mistake. ready when there's when there's a, a play being reviewed. They're just right there, ready for it, and they're in charge of that. And they let them know what it is because they're just right there, watching it from all the angles right then, and they can make the call. Yep. Or that's kind of my thought, but then it got me thinking about how people are worried about the MLB being such a or baseball. This go, game's going on too long, and that might maybe turn some people off. But uh, as far as just the sport alone, I think it it would definitely be a lot better that way. I mean, but if I feel like if you were if you were a ref and you were sitting on the sideline and that was your only job to correct either egregious calls that were clearly wrong. It would completely change the game of basketball, though. It's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. It, it, would, it would. It could, but, like, you're talking about – we're talking about baseball, too, where, like, that was an issue where what if a ball, ball is, is clearly foul and yet they call it fair or the other way around? We didn't yeah. have the ability to fix that, and now we do. Sure. And it, it hasn't changed the game, whereas – so what if there's something simple like – um, it was clearly hit out of bounds by a certain team, and yet everybody on the court, the refs all call it a certain way, when it clearly should be the other way. Why not fix that really quick? Sure, yeah, but I was thinking more along the lines of how basketball is just such a fast-paced game, especially in the NBA, because they're not playing defense anyway. It's a bunch of fast breaks and running up and down the court. Do you want a guy that's going to be stopping play whenever 
something isn't called perfectly. There just has to be ground rules, yeah, I guess. Yeah, there has to be ground rules. I'm obviously, thinking... it's my idea, and I like the overall aspect of it, but there just has it has to be implemented perfectly for it to go through yeah. as smooth as we want it to. Well, I think you're looking just like baseball. You're not doing balls and strikes, so you're not doing fouls. You're not doing that kind of stuff. You're doing the ball was clearly out of bounds here, or when you know um when there's a shot when there's a a foul called on a shot where they're looking at was it a two or a three you've got a guy that's already sitting over there that just puts up two or three fingers he's already seen it keep the game moving you know i my gosh that pisses me off every single time where they go over to the board takes them 30 seconds and everybody in the stands after the first replay has already seen that it was a two i mean both his feet were over the line or whatever the case may be and it's like come on just keep the game moving that's where i think that fourth official would actually help out a heck of a lot more and where you could actually speed the game up and keep it moving if you had somebody there to quickly do those kinds of things yeah i guess that could be the defined role in my mind yeah that'd be that'd be a good place to start I don't think it's going to help having another guy out there on the floor. It's not going to do a whole lot. Yeah, but I mean, if you have somebody who's already looking at who's the ball out on, um, was it a two or a three? You know, all those types of things. You know, like it would just it would it would speed the game up definitely, and it would keep things interesting a little bit more interesting than you know. Oh, gee, I wonder if that was a two or a three. Let's take a minute and find out when everybody knows what it was. You know, it's just that kind of stuff that I think it, it would really help. So I like the fourth fourth official. I think you could keep it pretty basic without changing the whole game. But, again, that's that's their call. Yeah, I'd have to agree there. I'm, I'm agreeing with you for once. <laughs> for once, <laughs> Don't, don't go write my name on your notebook or <laughs> calling mom over this one. Don't get too excited. Uh, it's not gonna it's not gonna happen a lot. It's not gonna stay, but that's alright. <laughs> no. oh, I'll right. back you up this time. <laughs> well that's only is... because it was mainly my idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean <laughs> it's it's a good take. It it was your idea. I mean, that's kind of when I asked the question, I was sort of going to lean that way anyways. So I was kind of bummed you didn't say, yeah, I really like the fourth official on the floor. It would really help. No. No, it's not. <laughs> I, no. I ruined your points. You ruined all my points. <laughs> Destroyed them. Well, yep. It's okay. Well, that probably wraps us up for tonight. We thank you guys for listening to Batting Practice with Bragan and Panda. Um, tonight we covered a whole bunch of stuff with the NBA, um, highlighting Boston, Cleveland, um, college a little bit too, and just giving our overall takes. Um, don't forget to give us some feedback. If you want to, email at us at contact.battingpractice at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us, and uh, that is at BP underscore batting practice i believe i have to i think it's it. underscore breaking underscore panda you gotta change that wow. <laughs> nobody already nobody knows how to spell my name anyway damn it all right so <laughs> we will <laughs> that is yeah 
Yeah, that that needs to get changed. <laughs> We've also got an Instagram page uh, at batting underscore practice podcast, all combined. So check us out there. Always got the up-to-date news going on. This week, we definitely ran things differently. We didn't have a bunch of different uh, points to feed off of. We were just kind of winging it, letting it flow free, just letting it just see wherever it goes. So if you guys liked how it went this week, be sure to leave us a comment. We're always looking for feedback. Definitely go follow us on social media. Can't wait to hear from you. And uh, look forward to doing this again next week. I'm going to give one closing thought. And this was from yesterday. There was a post that said, Kevin Durant suffered a serious injury and the Warriors lost. The Cavs signed Andrew Bogut. Today is 3-1. And hopefully you'll get the reference to that. If you don't, well, go look it up. Well, today is not. Today's not three one. Well, this was from yesterday when oh, they actually some... officially signed Andrew Bogut. Okay. Okay. So hopefully you well, get the reference and don't and... that doesn't take away from the fact that Globo Jim blew a four to one man lead in dodgeball. <laughs> I think that's that's what we're really trying to target right now. Uh... All right, everybody, thanks so much for joining us. Have a great rest of the evening, and we will see you next week.